12 football coach gives us his top five all-time movies. Plus, John Wilner and I share ours. And our Pac-12 picks for the week, all ahead on a new episode of Kanzano and Wilner, the podcast. What's better than one, John? Here's Johnny. Hmm, nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kanzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. I'm John Kanzano, and I'm here with John Wilner. I got to tell a story. So Oregon beat UCLA last weekend, and uh, I got a text message on Monday night from Oregon football coach Dan Lanning. And you know how football coaches get high on the euphoria of a win, and you know they're, you know, they're just in a different mood. They always are. They're in a better mood when things go right on the field, and Dan Lanning was no different. Oh, yeah. I would imagine that lasted 24 hours, 36 yeah. hours. Yeah, so he, he texts me, and he says... You've never given me your top five. And I was like, top five what? Like, And he said, your top five movies of all time. Like, it's a very different conversation, right? Like, you ever had a coach go, you've never given me your top five? Maybe Mike Leach would do that. I don't know. Who else? Yeah, that's, uh, that is definitely a little bit out there for, for a coach. <laughs> yeah, so it goes back to a conversation we had on Pac-12 Media Day where uh, he gave his top five movies. I want to play that clip uh, for the listeners of this podcast. I'm, I'm, I'll give you my top five. Is okay. that fair? Yeah. Because uh, I couldn't name one. I'm Last of the Mohicans. Okay. And that's, for me, that's because of the soundtrack, you know, makes the movie. It's beautiful. Terrain. That's Daniel Day-Lewis, yeah? Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's uh, one of the top ones for me. The Departed. I'm, I like mob movies. Okay. I think it's got an amazing cast. Mystic River. Yeah. If you've seen it or not. Yeah. You're starting to feel like, man, this guy's kind of dark. Yeah, but I like just, it, though. It's my movie niche. Seven. Okay. Right? Yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, now you're worried about <laughs> yeah. it. But that's a great movie. It's surprising. <laughs> great drama. And then I'd say Road to Perdition. Uh, those are, that'd be my top five. Man, I, he's right about Last of the Mohican soundtrack, right? That is like uh, all that the version of that would be like the LSU offense uh, from a few <laughs> years ago. That is that is the best. I mean, I can't think of a better soundtrack than that one, man. I, I, but he is dark. He is dark. He's got <laughs> DiCaprio in a couple of those, right? Yes, and 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 then like you know, we're just doing an inter- it's media day. Of course, you know, it's a fun way to get into a conversation. But but I thought it was really interesting. And he's right about Seven. Like, Seven is really disturbing and also pretty good as a movie. Like, you can't get it out of your head, but also pretty good as a movie. But it gives yeah. you an idea. I kind of got the impression that it, it's probably why he's a good recruiter. I mean, you think about him in that setting as he's talking to me and he's connecting and, you know, he's talking about his movies. He's likable in that setting. Oh, for sure. You also wonder if, you know, that's just uh, the dark movies provide him an escape from from a lot of the you know the personal interaction he's got to he's got to, you know he's got to be on all the time right yes. as a coach as a recruiter you got to be on so you know if you like movies that are a little bit dark and you just kind of shut down and enjoy them i could see that all right so he pays for the gas of these kids after the game on saturday he beats ucla he's going home he stops for gas at chevron he sees four kids who have driven from like 95 miles away to see the football game and they're they're gassing up at Chevron and he says I'm going to do a good deed I'm going to pay it forward I'm going to pay for their gas and so I write about this and then he when I ask him about it he mentions the movie pay it forward and he says it's a phenomenal movie I can't believe that you know Rotten Tomatoes rated it so poorly and I'm like how does he know what Rotten Tomatoes rated paid it pay it forward but I looked it up it's like a 39 out of 100 
And he's right. And then he texts me on Monday night at 930 and he says, you've never given me your top five. So I'm put on the spot. Okay. I don't know what I'm going to say. I've never really thought what are my top five movies. So in real time, I came up, this is what I came up with. And I'm going to put you on the spot too, Will. Yeah, no, no, let's hear it. Okay. Go ahead. This is what I came up with. Um, I, uh, I went with more than five. I just started naming movies I liked. I went The Original Godfather. I went Shawshank Redemption. I went Platoon, but I think I meant Full Metal Jacket, but I said Platoon. Again, I'm on the spot. I put in Gladiator. I put in No Country for Old Men. I do like The Departed. And then I put in one oddball. So I really gave seven movies. I put in this movie from like the late 1970s. It's called Murder by Death. Uh, it's got Truman Capote and it's got Peter Sellers in it. And it's uh, it's kind of a spoof on murder mysteries. Like it's the, the world's greatest detectives are gathered at a castle to watch, uh, you know, to have dinner and a murder. And they have to solve the murder. It's kind of an interesting little uh, movie. But his response to that was, I have never heard of Murder by Death, but I will check it out. He says The Departed is Elite. Shawshank's elite. No country's elite. He said, "Platoon is a reach," and I'm a Godfather Two guy myself. And that's <laughs> that's how we ended that conversation. I was like, "Okay, like, uh, so you're on the spot now." And I want our listeners to think about it as well. What are your favorite five movies? You can tweet them at us if you'd like. Uh, I'm at John Canzano BFT, and John Wilner is at Wilner Hotline. Tweet us your five favorite movies of all time. But Wilner, uh, give me your five favorite movies of all time. I would go with a Shawshank, definitely. I don't know if I can give you five off the top of my head, but yeah. Shawshank okay. is definitely up there, way up there. Yeah. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, solid. 13 Days, which is a movie about uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Okay. My, my kids are even into that one. I got to see that. And then uh, number one, I and you know, I am what I am, right? I'm a reporter. Number one, All the President's Men. Oh, yeah. See, I should have included that. I like that too. All the presidents, yes. it's really You know, I've read the book. That's a kid. You know, the book's great. The movie's great. So I, I that one is, that's my go-to movie, no matter what, is I, All the President's Men. I really felt like I was on the spot. Like, I, you know, and I, oh, I, felt sure. like, and I felt like I was being tested because I knew from media day, this guy knows movies. Like, I think he was sitting around as a teenager in rural Missouri, and he was probably into football, but he was probably into movies after football. Like, this is what he and his family and his brother did when they were hanging out. And, you know, they didn't have, like, they had they were living on, like, six and a half acres out in Missouri. So, uh, yeah, good he's stuff. He's also there. on a lot of planes. He's on a lot of flights. That, too. That, too. Uh, and I just wonder, because we got on the topic, because um, I showed my kids Teen Wolf, and I remember Teen Wolf being, like, this great movie. And my kids were just really not impressed. Like, okay, yeah, it's a guy who, you know, is a werewolf who plays Is basketball. that Michael J. Fox? Yeah, Michael J. Fox playing. And, or I showed my oldest daughter Back to the Future, which I like the original more than yeah. any. And yeah. uh, she was like the special effects dad. Gosh, like, you know, and it's true. Right. Like, if that movie was made today, it would be such a better movie because of the effects. For them watching the effects of, of all, you know, Back to the Future, that's, you know, like when we were at that age— watching the special effects for, you know, something from the 19th, a movie from the 1950s or 60s, right? Right on. Like, even Ghostbusters, when you rewatch it now, it there's it just looks really primitive. It looks like somebody made it in their garage. Um, I'm John Canzano. You can read me exclusively at johnconzano.com. Get a paid subscription or a free subscription, uh, in-depth reporting and commentary. That's where you find me. 
whatever works for you works for me. Find me there. I'm with John Wilner, as I am every week uh, here on the Gonzano and Wilner podcast. Wilner, how do they find you? We're at the Bay Area News Group, Pac12Hotline.com. It's syndicated at media outlets across the Pac-12 footprint. And let's start. we got to get to the picks. Yeah. Let me start with uh, a couple of little nuggets I looked up. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Number of teams, number of Pac-12 teams currently ranked in the AP poll. Four. uh, At this time last year, and those are four in the top 14, I should Mm. say. Yeah. This time last year, number of Pac-12 teams ranked in the AP top 25, one, which was Oregon. Number of bowl-eligible teams as we speak, before we're recording this before the Utah-Washington State game Thursday night, if the Utes win, they get eligible. But as of now, there are five bowl-eligible teams. Could be Utah tonight becomes number six. This time last year, going into week nine, one, Oof. Oregon. Oof. And if so if Utah wins and they're eligible, that would be six coming out of week nine. Coming out of week nine last year, one. So you combine that with just what you see on the field, the way the quarterbacks are playing. And, you know, it just seems like it is, there's no question that the overall quality of play is better. That's fantastic. See, that's why people come to this podcast right there. John Wilner pouring over the numbers, quantifying how much better the Pac 12 conference is playing right now than it was a year ago, or at least perceived than it was a year ago. Uh, let's jump into the Thursday night game. We'll mention it. Uh, some people may be listening to this after the Utah-Washington State game, so we won't spend a lot of time on it, but 7 o'clock, FS1, Utah at Washington State. John Wilner, this game is interesting because uh, I'm not sure what to make of Washington State right now. Utah's a a 7.5-point favorite. How do you see it? I I agree that it's hard to know which Cougar team's going to show up, right? Because for three games and, what was it, 54 minutes against Oregon, Washington State looked great. They look like a, a title contender. And then they collapsed against the Ducks. They haven't really been the same. The schedule's been tougher. But, boy, they are not uh, very efficient on offense, right? They scored, what was it, 10 points against Oregon State, 14 points against USC. To me, that's the whole key, right? They got a good defense. But if Cam Ward uh, can't get multiple touchdown drives together – and they got to get to 20, 25 points at least, I think, tonight to have a chance to win. Yeah, I think, you know, and it's not going to be terrible weather. The game will be in the low 40s when it kicks off. But I just think Utah's got more talent. And Washington State at home, I give them a little bit for that. I have it 31-27 Utah. I think it'll be a good game. It'll be a close game. But uh, I, th- I like Utah. I just think they're better. Let's go to the next one. Oregon's at Cal on Saturday, 1230 FS1. Uh, Oregon is a 17-point road favorite. Uh, what do you think's happening there? Boy, well, people are seeing that Cal can't really score, right? I mean, that's – and they're seeing Oregon's averaging, what, are they up to 45 a game or something? And if yeah. you remove Georgia – and I've mentioned this before. If you remove the Georgia game from Oregon's stats and ledger uh, and the public perception, you know, they're top five and they're averaging 50 a game. And they'd be viewed as a, a playoff lock for sure. But they played a game in that first week that nobody else in the country played, which was the defending national champs in Atlanta, right? So, I mean, I think that that's, that's got a lot to do with this. And the Ducks have been rolling. See if there's a little bit of a letdown. You, you know, you're, you're closer to that than I am. And, and certainly, uh, 
you know, that was a huge win against the Bruins. Do you see a letdown at all coming from them? I, I thought about that. And I think, yes, you can craft a narrative that makes this game close because Cal's played Oregon tough in recent years. But those were Mario Cristobal Oregon teams that kind of played not to lose against uh, opponents that weren't as talented as them. And so I think that some of those scores became a lot closer than they should have been. I also think, you know, the first college football playoff ranking comes out on Tuesday. The Ducks are playing for something here. And, you know, I talked a little bit with Kenny Dillingham this week, and he said we got to score points. So I, I think I think Oregon's going to get to 35-plus points in this game, and I think that's way too much for Cal. So Oregon is a 17-point favorite. I think they're going to cover that. I think they win 38-17. Yeah, I wonder with that, this one and a couple other games, like if the number's so high, you know, can the home team – execute that old backdoor cover, right? I mean, maybe it's 35-14 uh, down the stretch or something like that, and Cal gets a meaningless touchdown. That's such a big number. I've got Cal, but only because because of that. I think Oregon will have the game in hand in the fourth quarter, and, and you're right. There's no way Cal is going to get you know into the 30s unless the Ducks just have a bad game and there's a bunch of turnovers. USC's at Arizona Saturday, 4 o'clock, Pac-12 Networks. Uh, I think this game's interesting. And, you know, you the psyche of USC is interesting to me because I thought coming off the loss to Utah that maybe the kind of kid that was enticed by the uh, allure of USC and Lincoln Riley and the NIL deals, maybe that kid, uh, you know, loses a little bit of steam after losing a game, uh, at, a conference game at Utah. But then UCLA loses to Oregon. Now USC's back in the picture. I think Arizona's going to score in this game. I think their Wildcats are at home, obviously. And so I think this is closer than the 15-and-a-half-point spread that is on this game. USC is the favorite. Uh, Over-under, 76-and-a-half, whole bunch of points. Um, I'm picking USC to win the game, but I don't think they're going to cover. I think you're right. It's one of those home team backdoor cover situations. I have it something like 42-31 USC. Yeah, I mean, th- these are two. Arizona's defense is terrible, and SC's defense is, you know, alternates between terrible and mediocre. Uh, it's also homecoming for Arizona. And I, you know, sometimes the homecoming crowd and the whole energy will, can help, help a team. I, I like uh, Arizona to cover. I'm with you. Uh, but the piece that I wonder about is Jaden Delora. He faced SC twice when he was Washington state starter and he didn't play very well. And we'll see, I'm thinking about the like Bo Nix, he didn't play very well against Georgia when he was at Auburn, and then he didn't play very well against Georgia when he was at uh, for the Ducks earlier this season. And I wonder if Dolores going to have any of that carryover too from his his days in a Cougar uniform against the Trojans. So to me, that's the X factor. If he has a bad game, I think it could get out of hand. But otherwise, I, I agree. I think Arizona's going to cover. Yeah, and I think you know if you look at what's a big game for Arizona. It, yeah, of course the rivalry game with Arizona State. But beyond that, you've got a lot of L.A. kids on that Arizona roster. Yep. And I think you this becomes a bowl game for Arizona. Like, if you know, for games they get up for, this USC game should be interesting. And I think of the Saturday games, if I had to pick, uh, you know, a, a underdog to win, Arizona would be where I would probably circle. Be, I, you know, I don't think they're going to win. But if of the, of the home teams, because everybody's a double-digit underdog. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think Arizona can stick around in this game because they can score. And, you know, let's, if USC doesn't show up to play, Arizona could shock them uh, because they have the offense to do it. 
Uh, they don't have the defense, though. So Caleb Williams may throw for 600 yards. So we'll see. Yeah, he might. Uh, well, you're right. It's weird because all the four Saturday games are all double-digit favorites. You know, and, and I think that the Arizona-USC game has the potential to be the best one. Yeah. Right? It's on Pac-12 Networks. Uh, and for for those wondering, this is the SC will meet its obligation with this game. SC meets its obligation for appearances on the Pac-12 networks. Uh, so any big November games for the Trojans could be on Fox or ESPN. Uh, but I think this has got the potential to be the game of the day, to be honest. Arizona State is at Colorado on Saturday, 4.30 ESPNU. Uh, what is happening in Boulder on Saturday in your mind? What is ESPNU? I can't remember the last time a Pac-12 had a game on ESPNU. Yeah. Uh, interim coach bowl, right? Both teams have got interim head coaches, and that's certainly part of it, I think, because you just don't know how the players are going to respond on a week-to-week basis with when they know they're not playing for the the head coach for the next season, right? Uh, I just don't know that that Colorado's got enough of anything to, to keep up here. ASU has got a pretty good offense and man, the, the, the buffs got handled by Oregon state last week. Yeah. Colorado's averaging 13.7 points per game. That, that is, you know, they have a hard time getting to 20. They got to 20 against Cal, but they needed overtime to get there. So I'm going to say they get to 20 cause they're at home against Arizona state, but they're going to give up 31 in this game. And Arizona state's favored by 13 and a half. I don't think they're going to cover uh, I it, it's not a game I would ever bet on, but Arizona State thirty-one, Colorado twenty is kind of how I see this. But don't be surprised if it's like thirty-one thirteen, thirty-one seventeen, something like that. So uh, I'll take Colorado in the points, but I think Arizona State wins this game by double digits. Yeah, man, thirteen and a half points. That is like that's that's low scoring for a nineteen fifties team. Man, yeah, that's awesome. Last game, Stanford uh, at UCLA. Last I saw, Bruins are 16.5-point favorites coming off the big loss at Oregon. What do you think? Stanford's been better. And this game's 7.30 on ESPN. It's kind of a, you know, the problem for Stanford is this game's at UCLA, where the Bruins this year have been really good. I just am wondering about, you know, Chip Kelly's team. Do they come out of this Oregon game going, look, we got to get back on track, we got to get to Vegas? Or do they come out of the Oregon game going, eh, we don't have a lot to play for? Stanford, uh, you know, eh, doesn't move the needle. Uh, so, but again, here's the trend, right? UCLA is a 16 and a half point favorite. I'm going to throw a stat at, at our listener here. Home favorites are 24 and 10 now against the spread this season. That means they're covering. Ooh. They're covering 24 out of 34 games they've covered. They are 33 and 1 outright winning the game. So UCLA is winning this game. We all know that. And I think they're going to cover the 16 and a half just because the trend is your friend. I have it 38-21, UCLA over Stanford. But I think it has the potential to get ugly if UCLA shows up motivated. And, you know, I think we're going to find out. Does UCLA want a rematch with Oregon and Vegas? If they do, they come out and they lay it on Stanford. But Stanford's look better. Last three weeks, they probably should be 3-0. and If they don't lose that Oregon State game, they would be 3-0. and yeah, it's crazy, right? They lose by one in the last minute to Oregon State, and then they beat Notre Dame 16-14 and beat ASU 15-14. They've scored 31 points in the last two weeks combined and won both games. And it's not like they have a very good defense, you know, but yet they held they held Notre Dame and ASU to 14 points each. I think UCLA is, is going to clean their clocks. I think it's a bad – the way the Bruins can run the ball, this is a terrible matchup for Stanford. 
Stanford has not lost to UCLA in the Rose Bowl since 2008. And overall has won 12 of the last 14 games. But I, I think that uh, we have been, you know, the scores of the last couple of weeks are a little bit deceiving in terms of what it means this week for Stanford. I think, I think this is going to be like 41 to 20 or 41 17 won't be like the david shaw chip kelly matchups when when uh kelly was at oregon i mean those were always huge games like i I looked i looked at this one and i was like gosh like it i mean look it would really turn stanford's season to to now win three in a row and you know probably should have won four in a row but i just don't think they have the firepower ucla's at home uh doesn't look uh doesn't look great but uh you know this week people keep saying wilner that all these games don't move the needle I don't know when we're talking about Utah, Washington State. We're talking about how's Oregon going to play at Cal, or you know, can Arizona stay with USC, and can uh, you know what's UCLA going to do? I think there's some compelling stuff that's going on within the games. You know, there have been huge games each of the last two weeks, right? I mean, no conference has got uh, you know a top level game every single week, right? I mean, even the SEC takes the first Saturday of November. What is it? The second Saturday of November, and they basically play all cream puffs, right? just the nature of the schedules and, you know, the Pac-12 has got four elite teams this year. So any game that involves those four playing against each other is going to be big. I I see there's three real compelling games down the stretch in November, right. That are going to draw a ton of eyeballs Washington, Oregon game, which always does well. And then you got Oregon, uh, Utah and USC UCLA are both on November 19th. I mean, that could end up being the biggest day of football the Pac-12 has had in years with that with those two games. With the playoff ranking coming out Tuesday, do style points for Oregon this week matter in your mind or is it going to take a lot more to get the the Georgia 49 to 3 win out of people's minds? I think Oregon style points are going to matter for Oregon every week because the because the style points matter in that 49-3 game, right? I mean, the looks of that are terrible. Anything Oregon can do to to look good, I think they, they need every ounce of help. I don't think Oregon is out of it, but I, the path is so narrow because of the, the way that game went down in early September that everything has got to break right for them, and that includes – pummeling the teams that they should pummel and cal is one of them i also think i'm rubbernecking a little bit at the sec this week because georgia's hosting florida and remember week one it was georgia and florida that kind of put it on the pac-12 a little bit with those two wins over oregon and utah Uh, i think best case scenario for the pac-12 is georgia uh, is it that georgia boat races florida and, and, and makes a statement about how good Georgia is, and maybe people will go, okay, maybe Georgia's that good. And also you've got uh, Kentucky and Tennessee, uh, both ranked for the first time since 1951. They'll meet both as ranked teams, Kentucky number 19, Tennessee number three. I, I think it'd be great for Oregon if Kentucky upsets Tennessee because you're going to need to clear the logjam in the, in the SEC. Yeah, th- I, I agree. The nightmare scenario for Oregon is is finishing 12 and one right so they win out they look good they win the pac-12 championship and so they're in the mix for that fourth spot and the problem then is if georgia is the sec champ and either alabama or tennessee has played the bulldogs super close i think even if it's alabama's second loss they're going to get a lot of consideration but it let's say tennessee and georgia is a seven point game and that's tennessee's only loss 
they're going to get in ahead of Oregon. That's that's the Ducks' problem with the SEC is a comparative score against Georgia. If it's a if it's a fight for that last spot, so we're at the point of the season where you know results everywhere have a you know uh, there's a ripple effect, and and certainly if you're an Oregon fan, you need to start scoreboard watching. Uh, keep in mind too, uh, Ohio State will play at Penn State. Uh, Ohio State sitting at two in the poll. Uh, Michigan's playing Michigan State, uh, so there's some other opportunities potentially for teams that are ranked uh, in front of Oregon to uh, have hiccups. So keep an eye on that as you're watching Oregon play Cal or or maybe you're thinking about the Pac-12 champion eventually getting to the end of the rainbow. I'm John Wilner, Bay Area News Group. You can find me at Pac-12Hotline.com. I'm John Canzano. You can read me at JohnCanzano.com. We're back with another episode of this podcast uh, next week. We try to do two a week during the college football season. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and leave us some feedback. Share it with friends. Uh, We'll be back with another episode next week. And send us those movie picks.